This is Texas Soccer Radio. Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Esto es Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. We are back again on a Thursday night, 9 p.m. every week like we do. My name is Kyle Mankey. His name is Larry Leathers. We are going to talk a little bit of soccer tonight. Uh, World Cup is over. We've got those blues to deal with. Um, We are also halfway through the San Antonio FC season, so we're going to talk about that and what we expect out of the back half here, as well as some USL expansion news, some MLS expansion news, um, and uh, a possible all-star game in the works. Be kind of cool. <laughs> Larry, how you doing tonight, man? How's things? I, I wish software wouldn't send updates right before we start the stream. <laughs> I was scrambling tonight. I apologize ahead of time, people. If there are any audio issues with tonight's podcast, I'm sorry. My streaming software decided to run big updates right before we started. So a little scramble there at the end, but I am ready to go. Uh, I'm here now. Specials, right? <laughs> um well we are really excited to be part of the beautiful game network thank you for all the support from uh mike and from all those guys over there that help us out thank you also to our sponsor roughneck scarves official scarf supplier to mls usl and us soccer you can get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com ruff scarves.com um, I've got one of those riding around in my bag that I still need to get away from oh, uh, our giveaway. Yeah, we haven't been able to meet up with the winner yet. So um, I may be the owner of a Columbus Crew scarf if we can't manage. Oh, it's a crew co- scarf too. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, uh, not sponsored though is what i'm drinking tonight changing it up a little bit i don't know if you saw on social media i wound up at a cidery up in quote way south austin uh which is kind of like calling new Braunfels uh way north san antonio it was not really in austin but it's a really dope place called texas keeper so if you're in the mood for some cider you should definitely check that out because it was super tasty um and a cool little spot texas keeper cidery it's uh pretty tasty Anyway, shout out to them trying to support local business, right? Um, I need it. I need the cider now that the World Cup's over. <laughs> World Cup, it's 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 our mid-season extravaganza here. We need the drink yeah, because right. of where we're at. I brought the big gulp-sized Crown and Coke tonight. <laughs> I am ready because I feel like I'm going to finish this before the end of the night. Probably, right? So, um we we are going to talk a lot about some kind of broader things with San Antonio FC, some expectations um, and all that kind of stuff uh, as well. But first, let's talk about the most recent match, um, a 3-0 loss to Orange County SC. I'd really rather we don't talk about it. <laughs> it was so ugly. It was such bad. an ugly match. Oh my God, so many yellows. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten yellow cards between the two teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rook was busy that night. <laughs> for anyone keeping track, uh, that lands Diego Restrepo, um, I believe it's Cesar Elizondo, and Jose Escalante, if I'm not mistaken, on the disciplinary report. I'll check that then. There, there's a bunch of them. The, the most important, in my opinion, is that Restrepo is now on accumulation warning. So he's one yellow card away from missing a match, uh, which would be brutal. Um, can we just start there? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, know, I, I know it happened <laughs> in the middle of the match, but can we please just start there? Yeah, 52nd minute. Uh, Diego Restrepo, I don't think we say this very often, but he was lucky to get a yellow um, after... <laughs> Just a a beautiful tackle, um, not necessarily for soccer, but uh, yeah, he he very clearly took down an Orange County player uh, right at the top of the penalty area. No contact with the ball. Um, he was very very lucky to get away with the yellow there. That, it was a massacre, man. Like he he <laughs> took him out. 
Fucked him up. Took him out. Absolutely <laughs> took him out. Um, yeah, no, that was like wrestling move right there. And he deserved a red all day long. My opinion, he deserved a red all day long. <laughs> I would not have argued with it a bit if he had gotten one. Um, he should probably be missing at least the next match for that one. I mean, thankfully, I don't think that's reviewable unless Orange County challenged it, which I, I don't see why they would. I don't know. Maybe. I haven't heard anything. So I assume it's going to stay a yellow and he'll stay on accumulation warning. Watching the replay there on the stream and goodness, man. Goodness. <laughs> that was a hit. Um, I, 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 I would assume that if, if it was reviewable, we would have already found out. Yeah. Like, that it would have been on the discipline report this week. He'd be missing the game this weekend. Uh, I think we're in the clear. Yeah. That we man. should be, but we're in the clear. This week flew by. Um, yeah, so Restrepo got a yellow card. Obviously, no goals for San Antonio FC in this match. Um, Thomas Nevoldson, uh Orange County's best scorer, uh, grabbed one in the 33rd, and then uh, they snagged two more later on in the match. It didn't end up mattering, but... I know just sticking with Restrepo first off, because I guess we can kind of transition this into our broader discussion. Um, Restrepo has been the number one since the beginning of 2017 or not, not actually since the beginning of 2017, since Cardoni got hurt um, near the first third of 2017. Uh, he took over that role and hasn't re- relinquished it since. Um, is Restrepo a problem with this team do you like him being the number one right now is he who you would go with week in and week out right now now that we're at the mid-season I think it's definitely time to rethink some of these positions um Restrepo's a great a great great goalie all day long um I hate to say it but I think that we're seeing some of uh some of how much he was covered um, by Ibiaga and that backline's play last year uh, with all those clean sheets. So maybe he isn't quite the goalie that we thought he was. Um, they made him look awfully good last year. And he did a good job last year. I can't complain about it. I mean, 2017 goalie of the year for USL. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a little bit of Cardoni here just to see what we've got with him, especially if we're going to see some significant changes elsewhere on the field to maybe find some footing and and make things start working around the team. I'm actually going to disagree with you just a little bit on that. I think Restrepo has been one of the bright spots of the defense, which is something we haven't really had to deal with um, until this year. The, The defense has always been the better half of the field for SAFC. Um, so I feel like Restrepo is not the one that I'm pointing the fingers at. Um, I'm perfectly happy with him being number one, especially with his foot skills. Um, as far as saving goals, he and Cardoni are one and one, you know, they're, they're right there with each other. Um, I feel like Diego has shown for better or worse, it gives you a little bit of a heart attack sometimes, but I feel like Diego has shown that he can handle the ball at his feet, uh, and handle, attacking uh, players charging at him uh, very well and start that attack from the back, which SAFC seems to try to do, seems to like to do. Um, So I'm actually okay with Restrepo being there. I feel like the biggest problem San Antonio FC has had in this game and throughout the season is that center back pairing. And I I just can't, for the life of me, understand why – this center back pairing has changed so much. Um, I'm working on a written piece. I wanted to have it out earlier in the week, but uh, life got in the way. But um, against Orange County, it was Cyprian Hedrick and Gianluca Cuomo. And we've seen almost every possible combination between those two, uh, Rashindel, McCarthy, Felix, um, and Christian. And I don't know, like they're all talented center backs <laughs> individually. I don't understand why they're having such a hard time playing together. And again, to his credit, Mikey Lopez is just playing his ass off as a box to box midfielder and is even dropping further back and um, almost playing a center back role at times when I don't think that's in the game plan. And 
I'm not blaming any of the individual players. It just feels like the pairing as a whole has been crap all year. Like for whatever reason, they just can't get a pair of center backs on the same page. I, I still think that our best pairing center back wise is Felix and um, Christian. That's the best pairing we've seen. We saw it all yeah. through the preseason. Uh, we saw it in one game this year. It seems like that's the best pairing that we have. And that's the one that finds the field the least. I mean, we've literally only seen it in one game this entire season and it wasn't even a USL game. It was against yeah. Santos Laguna. Um, we need more of that. We need more of that pairing in the backfield because I, I truly believe that that's the best pairing for this team right now. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It's not to take away from anybody else. Um, we've got a lot of great talent there. It's just finding that pair that meshes. I think McCarthy's in that mix too. Um, McCarthy's senior leadership, he should definitely be in that mix too. But I think it comes down to those three players. And that's, that's it. I'd be perfectly content if for the rest of the season, we only see those three players rotate through those positions or through that position there. I'm curious what's going on with McCarthy because when he's played, I don't think he's played poorly and he seems to be at full health. He's not on the injury report at least. Um, I don't know if they're saving him for the end of the season and hoping that he can play in the playoffs. Um, I, I don't know, but I think individually Felix and Christian have both made mistakes, but as a pair, if you're going to play four along that back line, it seems like they're the ones to go to. And I'm not sure why that isn't happening. Um, honestly, I feel like the best formation that San Antonio has had is when they were playing three in the back, because if that pairing is going to be a liability, then screw it, get them out of there and throw everybody forward. And um, it was interesting to see SAFC drop back to that 4-2-3-1 for this match. I believe it was the same formation for the previous match with Santos. And um, I'm not sure what happened with that 3-4-3 uh, type formation that they were playing because I thought that was the best they looked all year. Agreed. Um, that, that, that pairing, the 3-4-3 definitely seems to be working better than the 4-2-3-1. Um, I hope we trend in that that direction uh, yeah. especially with Mikey Lopez coming back so so frequently and doing such an outstanding job of filling a defensive role for this team we can afford to keep three players on the back line yeah we truly can um, King Cochran and then McCarthy Felix Christian one of those three in the middle yeah. with Lopez pulling back as needed I think that'll be just fine for the team in the long run I I think it's really interesting watching Mikey Lopez because bringing him in, we viewed him as more of a defensive player, and then he scored a bunch of goals right at the beginning of the season. Um, and so he kind of got that reputation as a scoring player. But really, his best contribution this year has been as that box-to-box midfielder kind of taking the place of Michael Reed um, slash Pekka at times who – is still on the roster and still playing occasionally, but not the most durable player, right? We've seen that throughout the years. So um, to have Lopez there, to have Charlie Ward available now as he gets more and more comfortable with the system, um, neither of those guys are likely to score, um, but I don't think that's necessarily their job. Uh, I think they have a good chance at setting up that front three or that front one, however, (laughs) however long lining up at that point. But uh yeah, it's that's one point where I'm encouraged is the defensive midfield slash box-to-box midfield. Um, not so much the number 10 role, though, that center attacking mid. <laughs> um, it, it, it's funny that you mentioned Charlie Ward because that, that would be the player I'd bring up next. I think that that's probably, going forward, that's going to be the most exciting pairing uh, for our defensive mids is Charlie Ward and Mikey Lopez. Um, we did get a Twitter question about all this that we've been talking about here from Mads15 asking, do we keep Hedrick and Cuomo as our starting center backs after the OC result? And what about our defensive mids? So there's your answer. Yeah. yeah, Some changes need to happen. Yeah. Need to happen, but I'm excited about Charlie Ward. And as he gets more comfortable out there, the, the bit that we've seen him, uh, he looks great out there. I'm super excited about Charlie Ward coming in here for the rest of the season. Um, he's somebody that, from what I've seen, I hope we hold on to long-term. Yeah, I I feel like the big issue, like I said before, is the center backs and 
that number 10 role. Um, we've seen a lot of guys rotated in there for, for all three years that SAFC has been around. We've seen a lot of guys rotated in there. And um, most recently we saw Ever Guzman. And I don't know that that's his best position. Um, it feels like they want Cesar Lozano on the wing. Um, and, and, you know, he's played well there. I don't know. I just don't know, man. Like, I feel like the goalkeeper spot is set. I feel like the defensive mid is set. Um, the wings are pretty solid. You've got Felix and Cochran there. And then on the attacking side, you've got Gordon. Um, like I said, Elizondo's been playing okay on the wing. And you can bring in Presley. Murphy played well in that Santos Laguna game. Um, I think Escalante is probably underperforming a bit compared to, to what they expected. Um, but luckily that's a very deep position. So right. I, I'm pointing at the center backs. I'm pointing at the number 10 and of course the striker. <laughs> like um, we, we said this last year with a couple guys who ended up leaving in the middle of the season that if you're a striker and you're not scoring goals, you're going to lose your job. Uh, you're going to lose your spot on that team. So uh, Alex Bruce has been very bright at times and then showed his age at other times and, uh, you know, Ever Guzman scored and got hurt literally immediately after or immediately before. Right. <laughs> and, um, I hope we see Kyle Murphy get a shot or or someone get a shot up there. I, that's one place where I'm okay with a lot of rotation. I want consistency in the back line and I want to figure out who can score on the other side. And, you know, once we get that set, that's that's your season right there. It's just what what is the pairing? We've got so many players we could be plugging up there up front. It's I still think Guzman's probably our best best chance at a scoring forward. Um, I think Gordon has a lockdown spot too, even though we didn't see him in this Orange County game. That was a strange thing. Gordon was not. I know he he'd taken some nicks prior, but um, I think Gordon's spot is pretty secure out there. Um, he'd be the one that I don't see coming off the field unless an injury is involved. Yeah. As for the other spots, a little bit more up in the air. I think Gordon has been outstanding. Um, I, I feel like, I, I hope he's just on rest right now. Cause we didn't see him in Santos Laguna. We didn't see him in orange County. Um, so hopefully we see him against real. Uh, I was about to say real Madrid. Uh, Real Monarchs may as well be. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully, we see Gordon there because he's been the spark. And uh, you know, I I don't know. It's a long season. Hopefully, it's just rest. But yeah, it, it's got to start scoring goals at the other end if we're not going to keep clean sheets every week. Yeah, no. The goal. The goals need to come. We we are woefully behind when it comes to goals in this league right now we have a lot of catching up to do in that regard um and even though we've got a few games in hand right now we need to score points and we need to be picking up points every week from here on out if we are going to make that jump up into playoff contention yeah um, and we're at that point in the season we talked about it all for the first half of the season was talk to us and late June, early July. Well, it's the middle of July. We're officially mid midway through the season for our team. And it's time to basically shit or get off the pot. We need to start putting points up there and we need to start moving up the leaderboard now because um, we're running out of time. From here on out, we're running out of time every week. I mean, something pretty obvious here is that San Antonio is much better at home than on the road. Um, at home, it's uh, four two three, and on the road, only one win three losses and four draws. So you got to figure out how to do it on the road. And, and obviously they're home this week against Salt Lake city. And honestly, that's not a game that I think you can expect to get points from no matter how optimistic you are. Um, even getting a point against Salt Lake, I think is solid even at home. Um, but when they hit the road again, uh, July 28th in OKC, that's a very winnable match. Uh, Seattle 2 on August 11th, Portland 2 on Wednesday, uh, August 15th. Those are all very winnable matches. And then you go against Phoenix on the 22nd and you're back into the grinder. But, you know, you got to get it done on the road. And they haven't so far this year. So hopefully that's a change we see in the back half too. 
Yeah, I mean, this this game is going to be rough this week, folks. It really is. It, we are playing the number one team in the Western Conference right now this week. Uh, Real Monarchs is no joke. Um, it's going to be a tough one out there. And and the Monarchs don't do that great on the road. They truly don't do that great on the road. They are much stronger at home. But this one's probably going to be an uphill battle if we don't see some scoring and offense on our part. If we don't figure it out this week and get ready for this, it's going to be a tough one out there. Yeah. Yeah, Salt Lake City, Real Monarchs is uh, the best team in the West by far. Um, and and I don't know what else to say about that. They've just kicked the crap out of the league for two years now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's weird. It's a weird position to be in as a fan of San Antonio sports, (laughs) because you're so used to the San Antonio Spurs being able to go toe to toe with Houston or Golden State or Miami back in the day or whatever. But um, Salt Lake City is just something else and so I think you just kind of have to get through this week and not let it mentally bring you down um it's a tough stretch I mean it's it's worth noting that we're before we record another episode we're actually going to have two games happen um because there is a game this upcoming Wednesday on the 25th as well against Colorado Springs yeah. who's ahead of us in the table as well and then a few days later that Saturday we play OKC uh, we've got three games in eight days, eight days coming up here. It's going to be a rough stretch, especially in the heat of the summer. It's not like they're getting away from the heat going to OKC either. Right. It's going to be hot there too. Um, yeah, that July 25th game, as a side note, is the USL game of the week. So it'll be on ESPNU. And uh, kickoff was moved back to 8 p.m. And uh, this is also a re- remake uh, or a makeup uh, thing for fireworks that night too. So that Colorado Springs game, there will be fireworks afterwards as a makeup for what happened on July 4th. Well, there you go. Hopefully they got somebody else to do it. <laughs> if not, I, I'll stop by, you know, got some stuff from Alamo uh, fireworks stand, right? Oh, man. I, yeah, let's, let's just go <laughs> light it off in the parking lot on our own. Um, yeah, I... I'm trying to look through here. We got a couple of Twitter comments about the mid-season stuff. And Jonathan Check from uh, 210soccer.com wrote a really good article about consistency um, with San Antonio FC. And, um, you know, I, I won't spoil it. Go check it out at 210soccer.com. Um, but he he talked a lot about, you know, the need for – uh, some runs because in previous seasons you have Billy Forbes going a run at the beginning of the season. Then you had an amazing defensive run. And then at the end you had ever Guzman going a little run. And we just haven't seen that yet this year. There hasn't been a lot of consistent outings. It's been a different team every week. Um, sometimes literally. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so yeah, check that out at 210soccer.com if you haven't already. Um, I, I don't like bringing this up. I'm going to be honest. And I know I'm supposed to be like objective journalist, all of that. And I try to be, but um, one thing that several people have brought up is um, if Darren Powell is the problem, if the coaching is the problem. And um, I'll just read this from Michiology. At some point, we have to discuss Powell's job at SAFC, right? The man seems devoid of ideas on how to fix the one issue that has played the club for three years. Um, So, A, just one issue with that is that scoring is really hard in this league and at this level of football. Like, it's... um, the hardest thing you can do because the guys who can score are getting called up to MLS or over to Europe or, or what have you. It's a very defensive minded league. The defense on every team is better than the attacking team uh, with very few exceptions. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think that's the one issue that has plagued SAFC. Cause if you look at a lot of the teams around the league, that's a problem everywhere. Um, what I will say though, is that, uh, Darren Powell does a lot for the club and it's not just the results on Saturdays. 
Um, he and his staff have set up the academy. They are developing players. And, um, you know, he, he does most, of, from my understanding, he does most of the soccer side of things, the actual acquiring of players and networking of players and all of that. Um, I believe his title is technical director or yeah, Tim Holtz managing director and he's technical director, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I do not think it's time for him to go by any means. I think he's done a good job on that aspect. Um, and I think, sorry, mini rant here. I, I swear I'm going to keep it short. Sorry, Larry. But <laughs> go for it. MLS, if, if MLS is coming, which is a huge if, if MLS is coming, it's several years down the road, right? And so if it comes, let's just say it doesn't come, just for the sake of this discussion. Let's say San Antonio has a USL team for a long time. What do you imagine that USL team looking like? Because... In my mind, a team that is playing in USL that is not competing for an MLS spot, you're going to see a lot of the younger players like Connor Presley, Alex Bruce, Ethan Bryant, a lot of those type players coming through the San Antonio FC system um, and fewer guys like Greg Cochran or, um, you know, some of the guys who are, you know, have MLS on their mind, Mikey Lopez and Charlie Ward and all those guys. So if you're talking about developing young professionals, the late teens, early twenties, Darren Powell's your guy, man. Like uh, you're not going to find a better developmental coach than Powell. And if MLS doesn't come, I think that's what this team is going to be long-term and that's okay. Like that's, that's great to see, you know, some 19 to 22 year olds kicking ass and fewer Rafa's and Cochran's and all that kind of stuff. Just my two cents. I, I agree with what you're saying. I I was torn about talking about this topic tonight. I didn't know if we were it's going to or not. It's a topic, it's, right? It's tough because Powell does a great job with, with everything at the club. And I don't necessarily know if all of the results fall on him. Um, obviously, he needs to figure out what this lineup's going to be. We, the, the talent is there. That's the thing is he's done a great job of bringing in tons of, t- tons of great talent to this club. Um, not just this season, but in the past as well. The talent level is amazing. It's just finding that fit. And maybe the fit isn't there with these guys. Individually, they're great this season. But the fit isn't there. And, you know, it may just be one of those seasons where that's, that's where we're, what we're dealt. And next year you're going to see a few of these guys leave and a few new guys come in. And hopefully you can find the fit again there. Um, obviously last year's seemed to work a little bit better. Um, we were still deficient on the goal scoring side of things, but we had guys that went on runs and, and, and got it done. But this team has changed a lot from last year. It's, it's not what it was in 2017 player wise. And maybe those fits just aren't there this season. And I think Powell going forward, Powell will continue to bring in, a high level of talent to this team. And it's just about finding that, uh, that starting group that works. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. It may not be this season. I, I hate to say that it may not be this season, but I personally don't want to see Powell go anywhere. I think he does a phenomenal job for this club. He does a great job of representing it and going out there and bringing in the talent, whether the talent works out or not, you got to play the season to find out. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not expecting Powell to go anywhere anytime soon, unless MLS was to come. I don't know. That would probably change things a little bit if MLS was coming to San Antonio. I wouldn't think there'd be any changes until after an MLS season or two if things weren't working there. But I, I, I want Powell around. I think he's doing a good job at the end of the day. I don't think you can throw him away and, and, and go out there and find somebody new. I think he's doing a good job here in San Antonio right now. I mean, I would think even if MLS came, he would be the guy to to carry the city into that. I, well, I don't think they would kick him to the curb. No, no, no. And, and that's what I said. I, I, I think at yeah. least for the first year or two, you'd see Powell here, and that would be the trial period for whether it's going to work in MLS because that would drastically change the player pool he has to work with, and the expectations for the club would drastically change if we were at an MLS level. There's, Yeah, yeah. you got to be thinking of, of, of a lot bigger than where we're at right now. And 
you know, Powell may work great for that. He may not. We'd have to get to MLS and find out. And I think he'd definitely get that opportunity if, if it arose. I mean, he's one of the longest tenured coaches in USL, despite the team only existing since 2016, which yeah. is nuts. Like, and you don't want San Antonio to be a B team for someone else. You don't want it to be RGB or, you know, some of the other teams that are out there. Um, so you want that consistency, right? You want that Bob Lilly. You want that Greg Popovich who is going to be around for the long haul. And, um, you know, they, they made the playoffs last year. They took it all the way to PKs in the second round of the playoffs and, and it didn't go their way. And there's a long season ahead of us. There's still half a season. So, uh, you know, unless something just crazy happened where they <laughs> fell to Tulsa-like depths, I just can't see any sort of reason to even entertain that thought, honestly. It, it's crazy to me i will say the one criticism i do agree with is uh you know the the consistency and finding finding his guys this year because it's it's late um if it's a rotation to keep guys healthy that's one thing but uh that back line it, it just has felt like a mess all year and i'm not sure what you do to fix that it, it, it it's not that it's felt like a mess it has been a mess we, yeah. we've got to nail it down to two or three guys and I, we've obviously voiced our opinion on who we think those guys should be. Um, we'll see if that happens and if we can find that consistency, because consistency is what has eluded this team this entire season so far. Yeah. Nothing about what we've done has been consistent in lineup, in results, in anything. Yeah. So. <sighs> well, anything SAFC-related left that you want to talk about before we kick it to the other stuff? We went a little longer than usual on on the SAFC stuff, but well, it's the, the mid season extravaganza. Yeah. We got to talk about it a little bit more. Um, I think that's it. Unless you've got anything else. I don't have anything else over here on my notes. Um, I know, I know it's a cliche at this point, but there's a shit ton of time left y'all. <laughs> like there's half a season left and you have to get the results, but if the results come, they're going to make the playoffs. I, I think let's go with what are our, our expectations are of this team because i think best case scenario this team finishes somewhere between four and eight um makes the playoffs and you know once you make the playoffs it's a whole new season so you never know but i don't think they're going to be a top four team but i do think they're going to make the playoffs are, are we kind of on the same page on that or are you thinking lower or higher i'm thinking we're probably going to be sitting right around six or seven in the playoff rankings hopefully that's my that's what i, I honestly think is going to happen with the, the rest of the season yeah. Um, I definitely not going to be a top four team, but somewhere in the back half, but you're right. Once we get to the playoffs and you're down to single eliminations, it, the standings don't matter anymore. Just yeah. Results do get wins or go home. I mean, Salt Lake and orange County and Phoenix really have all been so dominant on the attacking side. Sacramento and Reno are up there in the top five too. Um, but they do have more games in hand than the other guy or more games played than the other guys. Um, that's tough, man. The West is tough this year. It's very top heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I think those six through eight slots are wide open for anyone other than RGV Tulsa and Seattle. <laughs> um, God, Seattle has lost a lot of games. Wow. Seattle's uh, like, they're just checked out. <laughs> yeah. Completely they're, checked out. They're like, you know, when you move from one apartment to the other and like you're, you don't get a truck, you just take it in your car and a bunch of loads. That's what I feel like Seattle's oh. doing moving up to Tacoma right now. <laughs> I've done that too many times. Making a lot of trips. They're hanging on to their mattress, going down 410 and hoping for the best that it doesn't fly out. <laughs> done that too. <laughs> Jesus. No. Yeah. I don't want to do that ever again. Oh, same. Oh. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much everything that we got for SAFC, right? Yeah. Um, as far as Austin MLS stuff goes, we're still waiting. They are currently in negotiations with the city manager of Austin. And um, on August 9th, when Austin City Council meets again, there will be a vote on whether to accept the bid that, or the agreement that the uh, city manager and PSV have come to. 
so we'll see how that goes. Unfortunately, we just don't know anything right now. Everything is being done behind closed doors. There was a community meeting tonight um, where it was the usual like, hey, I don't want it to be too loud type stuff, but still overwhelmingly positive for PSV and for soccer. So um, I don't see any any resistance there, any meaningful friction there, I should say. Uh, we also have confirmation from Capella Capital that they are putting in two oh, bids, right. not just one, but two different bids for uh, Macala for potential consideration for development of the Macala site if it's not going to be an MLS stadium. Yeah. In an odd turn of events, though, uh, one of the guys from Capella came out and said that they support MLS in Austin, <laughs> um, but it sounds like just somewhere in a different location, not in Macala, where they have an ad- they ad- they have an adjacent development already. They want to move into Macala because it's right next to something they're already developing. So, um, yeah. I mean, I read that as uh, maybe they could be working together. I'm going to pull up the actual quote to see if I just screwed something up. But um, it it sounded a little bit like that, but they never said it. So I don't yeah. I don't know. It, it'd be strange if that's what's coming together. But it's kind of ambiguous. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm trying to find the actual quote. I lost it. Sorry. I should have had that, but basically he said, uh, we're, we're aware that where we support, uh, soccer in Austin and that's all I'm going to say on that or something like that. Um, while simultaneously putting in two potential bids for the development of Macala. I don't know what that means. Um, Uh, I'm sure we'll find out here shortly. We are in full support of pre-court soccer coming to Austin, and that's about all I'm going to say is uh, what Neil Francois from the Capella managing partner uh, said. So, be an interesting turn of events if they were working on something together. I mean, the thing is, though, the city council is not going to review the or properly vet any of these things other than the PSV proposals. So, I I don't see how anything could get accepted without that proper vetting and something know. was something's gonna have to look awfully uh, awfully good for them to backpedal and say okay maybe we need to evaluate this one this one looks really good yeah um in comparison to wherever they're at with psv because that's a big thing is you know if the psv talks go nowhere between now and august 9th some of those other offers may start may look awfully enticing and that's when you start looking at those things well, I think the biggest roadblock, and getting a little out of order on our rundown here, but I think the biggest roadblock would be if the Austin City Council and Austin City Manager look down to Miami and see the offer that the City of Miami is getting from Moss and Beckham and their ownership group. Because yeah. by my memory, it's one of the best stadium proposals that I can remember seeing in the last few years. There's been so much anti-tax money towards stadium going like this is the best I've seen in forever. It's a phenomenal stadium offer in my opinion with between paying for the new parks and all of the tech development and the nightlife areas in the stadium and all the infrastructure and the remediation, which could cost a hundred million dollars alone for the site. Um, the bringing in of tax money and everything else. Yeah, no, it's a phenomenal offer compared to the development that's on that tract of land currently. Yeah. And this is an area that the city was willing to give to Amazon at one point. So I don't understand why there was any sort of friction with selling it to Moss and Beckham and and the Miami MLS group um, and paying taxes and everything else. So the, the latest on that is that um, the commissioners voted to take it to ballot. So in November, uh, there will be a public vote on, um, do you know the exact terms on that or the exact phrasing? But the, the gist of it is that they'll be voting to approve or deny that it's going forward, right? It's weird because it's voting to approve or deny it going forward, but then the council has to vote again. Gotcha. And so it's basically the, the, the residents approving it for the council to vote on it, to approve it or deny it. And like public hearing or something. The, the big hiccup here is they need four of five commissioners down there 
to approve it after this ballot passes, if it passes. And two of those county commissioners there are really, really negative on this whole situation and really strongly against it. So there's going to have to be some hard lobbying on the part of Moss and Beckham over the next few months leading into this ballot to even swing one of those yeah. uh, two no votes going forward <laughs> to yeah, get back to land. It only passed three to two. I should have mentioned that. Um, it was very close on even getting on the ballot. And that was three to two after a failed vote, essentially, because they voted the other, last week and then couldn't get a third person on board, third county commissioner on board, and had to push it back a week to vote again. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be a tense situation going into November, especially if it passes through um, by the residents. Yeah. Um, and one other note on Miami is that um, Ore Moss came out and said that the Miami Stadium must start construction by 2019 or else they're going to forfeit that franchise right. Um, and one of the funnier phrases that I've heard is that the Overtown site is still in play. It's a plan B, uh, an emergency plan. But Jorge Moss acknowledged that gentrification is an issue with that site. Oh, God. And so he basically said gentrification is plan B, which I want, like, that needs to be on a t-shirt. I can't believe that that's not caught on a little better. But, um, yeah. Are we going to some Miami, Miami City Council meetings and wearing t-shirts? Like, are we flying down there <laughs> yeah, for this? Let's do it. Get on Teespring and make some. Um, yeah, I I still don't see a way that they lose Miami. They've wanted this for so long, and it's David Beckham, and Jorge Moss has a ton of money to make it happen. So, um, you know, as, as much of a roller coaster as it's been, now that they have a local investor plus David Beckham, I don't see that failing, um, whether it be at their ideal site near the airport or in Overton and... <laughs> Just walking groups to and from the stadium. Yeah, <laughs> and, no. and, um, anyway, anything else on Miami before we get back? You're our, our Miami correspondent. No, that, that, that's about where we're at right, right now with Miami. It's going to be a little while before we hear anything else into the late fall. Some of those off-season episodes for us is where we'll start yeah. talking about Miami and what's going on out there. Oh, we're doing off-season again? That was rough last year. Like once a month, maybe, <laughs> or something like that? I don't know. <sighs> Getting back to USL, just a little bit here. Um, two franchise announcements coming up in the next couple months. USL Austin is announcing on August 3rd. Um, They're expected to announce their uh, staff, their team branding, and potentially a couple players as well. Um August 3rd. That'll be at Circuit of America's. It's invite only. Oh, is it invite only? Interesting. That's, that's what it said. Um, it's weird, man. Like, I, I get a lot of emails from USL, and I've gotten a lot of correspondence about the new team that's in the D.C. area, about El Paso and Albuquerque, or, you know, New Mexico, but it's going to be Albuquerque. And all of the other teams all across the country – I have received nothing about USL Austin. When I inquired about that about a month ago, I was told that they'd be um, handling some press contacts in the next couple of weeks, which obviously hasn't happened. Um, otherwise, I would have more information for you. But right now, they only appear to want to talk to the uh, Austin American Statesmen, who do a phenomenal job. Chris yeah. Bills and Kevin Lytle and all those guys. Love those dudes. But... Um, Ask any USL team how that goes when uh, you only go for the TV stations and the big paper because I'll tell you who the majority of the people covering San Antonio FC are, and it's not the TV stations. <laughs> and um, Not by a long shot. Jeez. And SAFC has one of the better TV deal, not TV deals, but TV presences. Um, there's other USL teams who you know, they're begging for the bloggers to come in. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Maybe we'll be covering that. Maybe we won't. I have to see if we can sneak our way into the invite list somehow. It's just weird. I don't know what day of the week that is, but we'll have to see. It's just really weird. Like I've, 
I'm, I haven't seen anything like this from a USL team where they're not utilizing the league reach and the league established contact lists where they're just kind of going out on their own. Um, I was, <laughs> I'm still nobody. <laughs> I am a nobody, <laughs> but I was even more of a nobody when San Antonio FC was announced and I was still invited to their press or able to get credentialed for their introductory stuff. And I was writing for Go Spurs Go memes at the time. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Shout out to Ray and those guys. But um, anyway, yeah, just a weird, sorry, that's a little inside baseball, I guess, but that's <laughs> it's just weird, man. I don't Hopefully know. It'll change as we get closer to an actual. Oh, I'd say get closer to an actual announcement, but we're two weeks away from it. Like yeah, right? it's, it's time. You need to start inviting people and figuring out who's going to cover this team and and try to get local people involved. And you're not going to do that if you just keep it to invite only. You should you should want fans and people that are excited about the team out there, like for that event. You should probably not host it out there at the the racetrack. To be honest, it should probably somewhere be somewhere in downtown Austin. Rent out a big bar and have a really nice announcement that night because there's plenty of good venues to have something like that at. You and I were together when SAFC announced their brand stuff because there was the mostly press. They had they had supporters at that one too. But uh, when they introduced Darren Powell and the franchise, it was mostly press. And then when they announced their branding, it was at the AT&T Center and everyone was invited and it was a party, man. That was fun. And I can't believe USL Austin isn't doing something similar. Like, what are you doing? You want fans. Like, are you forgetting that part? Um, Maybe they should hire us to do their marketing. God, no. No, 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 no. Okay, consultants as I, for ideas on how to... How to help this team get off the ground? I don't even know, man. I just, yeah, no. This this seems like such a no-brainer to have a big party downtown. There's so many good venues. Like, set up something big to get people excited about the team and to bring in some local Austin people because you've got to fight to get people all the way out to the racetrack. You need to have a presence in Austin, and actually in Austin, in the city downtown, and and with the nightlife. See, if I were planning this, I would still do it at circuit of the americas but i'd invite any fans that want to come like uh any anyone that's willing to support that usl team over the mls team that's coming or with the mls team that's coming support them both like make it a party man i yeah it's just the, or you know fucking email some people kyle at calledoffside.com that's my email you got it now <laughs> like <laughs> um you know, they obviously they've been chatting with the the awesome American statesmen and that's great and they do a great job, but it's just a weird, weird announcement to not be coming from USL. Like I get so many emails from USL about teams that we don't cover. That's so bonkers to me. Anyway, sorry, now I'm ranting. Um <laughs> speaking of teams that I got emails about, USL Memphis is being announced on September first, which I put in there because there's going to be a central conference like it hasn't been announced officially but there's going to be they're probably going to be in it san antonio is probably going to be in it austin is probably going to be in it um so there will be another central conference team for us there in memphis here very soon and i know we 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 briefly mentioned them there in this whole rant uh we got the official announcement about dc united's affiliate this week um loudon united fc so there's another one for usl (laughs) usl joining the the league this next year Literally can't keep track. <laughs> Too many teams. I can't Too keep many track. Too many teams. Then um, you've got teams dropping down to D3 and going to the Canadian League. And yeah, it's, it's great. USL is growing and that's awesome. But anyway. It's tough to keep up. <laughs> Did you see the uh, DC Stadium, Audi, Audi Field uh, mm-hmm. opened? I did. They, uh, yeah, a lot of drama there. They cut out two of their three supporters groups and then the the way they built it the orientation the camera views have the sun in them at most of the ideal 
kickoffs, the evening kickoffs. So they have to adjust the kickoff time. And then to top it off, shit was falling off the stadium, um, like railings and stuff. And an object, quote unquote, for anyone watching the podcast, um, struck the sideline reporter and actually gave her a concussion. She's a former player who uh, has a history of concussions. So the, the team said it was like a plastic piece but in the photo there's like a six foot metal railing that they're holding down there um it definitely wasn't a little plastic piece if it gave her a freaking concussion so congrats on your stadium opening dc united (laughs) true story i was at the alamodome for a concert way back in the day and a light fell on a fan what? Like one of the big lights fell and like hit somebody. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's awful, man. <laughs> Thankfully, it was like they were. You know how the the overhangs are um, from the second deck down to the first deck. Yeah. It was like up underneath one of the overhangs, like hanging underneath the second deck. So it only fell like fifteen feet, but still, it was like one of the big lights. It wasn't. Oh. It didn't come from like all the way up at the roof. Right. That's what I was thinking. Like, no, that would be something somebody get killed. But like they had to like, it's like some like, final destination. Stretcher, stretcher somebody out of the Alamo Dome that night. <sighs> the light like just the whole fixture fell. That's awful. Yeah. I was. <laughs> this is this is so far off topic, but I've already started saying it. Sorry, I was at a show at Stubbs many many years ago, and Brand New was playing, and somebody threw a sweater at the lead singer Jesse uh, for no particular reason, and it hit his mic stand and made the microphone hit his mouth. Oh no! Um, and he just stopped singing the song, <laughs> like, and the next time they came. Um, I saw him again at the same venue and he was like, last time we were here, we weren't able to finish this song. So hopefully it goes by a little easier this time. <laughs> oh, geez. It was Jesus Christ. It was, you know, the big, big hit at the time. Wow. So, yeah. Thanks to whoever threw that shout out. <laughs> anyway, speaking of stubs, um, USL all-star game. <laughs> i don't even know where to go with this i saw this idea floated on twitter this week and i don't even know how you'd pull this off or when you do it for that matter do you i i don't think it belongs in the middle of the season you can't do it before the season you certainly don't want it after the season like <laughs> I I actually kind of like it. Our our friend and former SAFC staff member Sam Doer uh, came up with this on Twitter. If you didn't see, he was saying and has said um, you can check out his interview on the USL show this week. Uh, our yeah. our brother podcast, sister podcast on BGN, the USL show. Um, he was on there and he talked about um, the the idea of this USL All Star game and that USL is the only league in North America that doesn't have an All Star game. And uh, I think it would be kind of cool. I'm not usually one for all-star games, but the USL East and USL West are two different leagues. And so if you could put together a best 11 from each side and have them play like at the very end of the season or like the day before the final, the day before the championship game or something like I'd, I'd be all for that the day before the championship game, unless they're involved in the championship. Yeah. Game. Kind of like how the pro bowl for NFL is like yeah. right before the super bowl. But I, I need bowl. to go back and listen to this USL episode to hear Sam's full fledged idea for this. I haven't done that yet. Yeah. He, he mentions utilizing the home fans and only hosting it in places that can support it. Uh, San Antonio, Cincinnati, Phoenix, uh, Tampa, you know, places that, are going to show up for it. And I think it could really work. I'm, I'm interested. I'm not going to like die on that hill because there's a lot of shit that needs to get fixed in USL first. And you can look forward to that later this week. I'm going to burn some bridges with that. Um, but I, I'd be all for a USL game. I, it'd be interesting. I, I mean, it would be interesting. It really would. Um, I, I just logistically, I don't know how you pull it off, but I mean, I, I'm sure they could figure it out some way, somehow. Um, I don't know if I'd go to it. I would if it was here in San Antonio for sure. I don't know if oh, I'd for travel sure. for it, unless it was maybe you know, what in Las Vegas. That'd, there be, you go, that'd be a fun one. 
have to build a decent soccer pitch, but you know, yeah, somewhere other than Cashman Field. We need a Vegas trip soon, dude. We just think about that today. It's been a little too long. I'm not addicted to gambling. I'm just addicted to going to Vegas and gambling. That's that's safe, right? You, you, need to, you should probably keep me away from from gambling. <laughs> I've managed to contain myself the few times I've gone when we've gone to visit. Uh, the wife's family up in Connecticut because they've got Mohegan Sun up there, and I've managed to, but man, it's just give me the cash that I'm allowed to spend before I walk in, and don't <laughs> let me take any cards or anything else. Just nah, dude, we're gonna win enough to pay all the bills. Just put it all in red. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> anything else you want to talk about tonight before we wrap it up? Mm, we gonna talk about this LAFC thing. Oh shit! That's, the only, thing, that's the only thing else we got on our our list here, but we went out of order, so it got yeah, that was my bad. Um, so this is sort of late breaking, but LAFC and Portland Timbers um, played in the U.S. Open Cup on Wednesday uh, night, and mm-hmm. there has been a um, petition issued by the Timbers that. Um, they believe LAFC played an illegal roster. One of the things with the U S open cup, that's a little different is that you can only have five foreign players since it is the U S open cup. If you're a professional team, you can only have five foreign players. Um, The definition for that is different than it is with MLS. Right. And so the controversy comes from a, what we believe anyway, um, comes from a international player who was made a homegrown player for LAFC. Um, And so even though he's Canadian, he's considered a homegrown player in MLS. And uh, I believe it was Jeff Carlisle. I've I've actually got it here. Yeah, Jeffrey Carlisle, at Jeffrey Carlisle. um, He tweeted tonight that the USSF had approved Mark Anthony Kay as being domestic for LAFC. US Open Cup may not be accepting that we don't know (laughs) it's it's a weird he said she said thing too because um they're actually convening the u.s open cup discipline committee this saturday to discuss consequences um because not only did is lafc being accused of playing too many foreign players the timbers are being accused of making racist comments on the pitch yeah, at least um, one player. Yeah, at least one player made racist comments on the pitch um, to LAFC. So it's this he said, she said thing now, and who knows how this is going to shake out. Well, I think it's pretty clear that the player who used the racial slur needs to be suspended at minimum, fired at maximum. Um, I think that goes without saying. No matter what the competition was, no matter what the team was, that there's right. no place for that. Um, however, LAFC broke the rules and like whether or not they cleared it with USSF who runs the U S open cup, they are the authority figure there. And so USSF should have known their rules better before, like it's still an LAFC in my opinion, even if us soccer said it was okay. Um, the guidelines are, I was going to say the guidelines are clear. They're not very clear. It says foreign players, uh, example, U.S. citizens, green card holders, exiles, and refugees. Um, And it doesn't say homegrown players. So I guess it is kind of clear. Sorry, I'm going back and forth here. (laughs) It's LAFC's fault. They're going to get disqualified. Portland's going to go through is how it should roll out. We'll find out probably Saturday or Sunday. And the other way it's works out is they're both disqualify them both and then (laughs) have the galaxy play sac republic because those were the losers from the matches in the last round (laughs) that they played let those two fight it out for the spot i don't know um, we should have more clarification on saturday when that discipline committee um convenes and decides the fate of both of those teams um yeah because this is putting on hold the draw for the next the next round they have not made the announcement for the next round yet because of it. Yeah, they had to delay that. Oh, here's some breaking news. Um, did you hear Kawhi went to Toronto? Oh, wait. He didn't go to LA? <laughs> He's getting there. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <come on. laughs> 
<laughs> you go spend a spend a, a year up in the freezer up there in Toronto. I wouldn't mind it, man. Get me a little Toronto vacation. Anyway, before I get down that road, it has been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, this this dust that's in the air has us both a little under the weather, so I'm glad we were able to do this. But um, thank you to everyone who listened. Thank you to Beautiful Game Network. Thank you to Roughneck Scarves. Um, thank you all around. And we really enjoy covering SAFC and Austin and USL and MLS and, and everything else we're able to cover. So thanks for helping us do that. Um, anything else you want to say before we call it a night? Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good night. Cool, cool. We'll see y'all next week, Thursday, 9 p.m. Bye.